Hi, hello, welcome to the episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is September the 17th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. So far, it's been a pretty casual, fun day Sunday. Haven't done too much. Got some groceries done. You know, the usual. Uh, Let's see here. Food Corner, though, was pretty fun yesterday. I went to a friend's, uh, when, you know, we, our, my friends, they did, uh, they're making some beer. They're doing an Oktoberfest uh, ale that they're working on, and that was cool to watch them kind of go through the process. And then they are also making some Middle Eastern food. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of things going on in the kitchen. So it's fun to watch that all go down, hang out, have a good time. We had some pita bread there was Kibby, there was Kafka, I think it's Kafka, Kafta. Uh, then there was Rice, uh, I think I'm more or less naming all the hits there. There was some hummus, falafel, ooh, that just popped into mind, that was very yummy. We were just making, like they were making a bunch of it, and then we'd like kind of graze on a little bit, and then like we just had like a big kind of feast mode. Uh, so yeah, it was a good time, fun times. Uh, let's see here. Is there anything else I wanted to really cover, talk about before we get into the news? No, no, we're good. We're chilling. Uh, let me go ahead and do my classic little startup and we'll, we'll carve this turkey up. Oh, I gotta redo that. I burped. <laughs> Okay, okay. Start off with the story from the Independent. Secret records. Government says Marines adoption of Afghan orphans seen as abduction must be undone. I want to say I initially heard this story about the mass. um, And it was about maybe like a month or so ago. Around the time, I because I, I remember that I did a different story about adoption in the U.S. and how, like, you know, some of it was kind of fucked up. Um, but, yeah, this one was just like, ooh, I heard about it. And I'm like, I should cover this, but I'm not. And then I kind of lost it. And here we are again. It's coming back up. So I was like, all right, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about the Mast family. Uh, the U.S. government has warned a Virginia judge that allowing, a, allowing an American Marine to keep an Afghan war orphan risks violating international law and can be viewed around the world as endorsing an act of international child abduction, according to secret court records reviewed by the Associated Press. It is rare for the federal government to step into a local case, but concern about the child's fate stretched across the Trump and Biden administration. Uh, The the Justice Department argued in court documents that dispute um, that the dispute has ramifications that extend far beyond the rural courthouse where the girl's future is being decided. Um, at this point now, the girl is four years old. Um, let's see. Now, she does have Afghan, you know, um, relatives. And that's, you know, one part of this rub is, you know, they were able to reconnect after this. Um, I think there was like a military raid that took place. And uh, the baby was recovered and in a hospital. 
And that's where um, the Marine, I should have his name at the ready, but I don't. Um, but that's where he had, you know, met her. He's like, oh my God, you know, his baby, you know, I want to take care of her. I, I guess, you know, him and his wife, they just had this idea of, of having a child. And they're like, okay, cool. We want to make this happen. She's the one. And, but you can't, I can't do that because there's just like a lot of red tape involved. You can't just like scoop up a baby like, well, you know, like she's from this like bad situation. We're just taking her out. Like, no, it just like anywhere and everywhere. There's protocols, this kind of shit. And she had relatives in Afghanistan and, you know, afterwards, um, you know, the baby was in the hospital. She's reconnected with her family. They live for 18 months. I think this is as of like 2019. Then... Uh, the evacuations kind of happen in, I believe, what, 2021, and Mass used Joshua Mass. I finally found it. Marine Major Joshua Mass and his wife. I don't say his wife's name here. But um, he was able to secure an evacuation, I believe, for the family, like this whole Afghan family, and obviously including the girl. But before this, he was trying to, like, say, hey, like, I can, like, um, fund her medical stuff. You just got to send her to us and, like, you know, we'll take care of her. And they're like, oh, we don't know. We don't like that. Like, we don't want to be separated from her. And not to mention she's doing okay. She's recovering. And so, you know, fast forward once again back to 2021. You know, she gets resettled here. And then Mass works with people, um, you know, um, other military, you know, forces and stuff like that to secure this whole adoption, which was never on the level. It was never okay. Like, at the end of the day, they, they try to say, like, oh, well, this was, a uh, you know afghan resistance fighters and they were killed and you know you know we're kind of just taking you know the baby filling the vacuum and i feel like they're trying to like say hey like we've provided this amazing family and life for you know our daughter now and you know we just want to continue that we want to you know keep her safe and da, da, da. but it's like at the end of the day you did take this child from a family and that's not right this is not okay it, it bothered me on the offset um i can understand that like look you she's four years old now and you can almost make the argument like well she's settled and like like she should you know you shouldn't rip her out of this to throw her back into something like afghanistan but like at the end of the day this should have never fucking happened and you can understand how the justice department is really like what the fuck we have to do something about this because it is a terrible use of prop like anyone can everyone from any side can say like look look what america does they they come to your country they they blow up your people and they take your children like, you can just word the shit any way you want. And it's like, what is the defense? Because that's literally what's happening here. Um, so, yeah, I personally thought this was just a really, just a weird, I really do want to say gross situation. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm a child of adoption. So at the end of the day, I do get it. I, I support adoption. I think it's a great thing. But I don't think the idea, especially when you insert this, like, what I feel like is a white savior narrative here. Like, to be like, oh, we're just going to save this child and give it a better life. And it's like, look, th this this child's life is already disabled and fucked up. But it, this child does have a family. She does have a place to live and be. And I, I just think that it is fucked up to take this child away from her home. Um, like, I don't care what the circumstances are at hand, how you want to play it. But it's like, no, that's just not your right. And if you want to adopt, there's plenty of children in Virginia in America that you can find and adopt totally legally on the level. And this shit just not, was not legal. And it's weird that you had so many people on one hand saying, hey, this is bad. Like you have Biden saying, oh, this isn't okay. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like it happened, like there was, it was facilitated, you know, even to the Virginia judge signing off on it being like, yeah, you know, this is on the level with this is literally a child that is like, you know, just in a completely different country. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, I'm not giving it the best platform here, but it is something I just wanted to talk about and discuss now that I found like an article that really summed it up well. So, um, yeah, check that out if you'd like. I'd love to talk about that discourse. You know me. You know I love to talk about some news. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to another story from the CBC. Uh, CBC News. Man walked naked out of shower, found Mountie in his bedroom, lawsuit says. A British Columbia man who is suing the RCMP claims he walked out naked of his shower to find a female uniform Mountie standing in his bedroom. Kirk Forbes said the encounter in his Coquitlam home in June of 2022 left him shocked, confused, and embarrassed. I felt violated in my own home, he said in an interview Wednesday. That's my safe place. It should always be that way. Mountie said in a news release issued Tuesday that the officers entered the home when they found that it appeared insecure. Uh, In a notice of civil claim filed in July, Forbes said it was only after he asked the woman why she was in his home that she identified herself as an RCMP officer, then asked um, him his name and said said she was there to serve him a traffic ticket. Uh, Forbes was told of the violation, not stopping for a school bus, happened in Pemberton, but he claimed, or the, he said the claim, um, he said in the claim he was unaware of any traffic violation. I was confused and at that point pretty much in a state of shock, he said. This is all because of a six month old traffic violation that I find myself in a situation and I do find it just unreasonable, unprofessional, unprofessional and unwarranted. Now, the defense of the Mounties, because there was another Mountie, I think he eventually gets dressed, he comes out, and he's like, oh, there's another motherfucker in here, like, looking through my house? Like, what the fuck is happening? Once again, according to the man. Uh, essentially, their reasoning is, like, they found the house insecure, and what they mean is they knocked on the door, and they said they knocked on it, and it flung open. And because of that, they didn't, like... They felt that it wasn't as, like, they needed to investigate. And by investigating, they find him, and they're like, oh, okay, well, here you are. Here's your, you know, you've been served. Um, now, that that is crazy to me, that they are legally allowed to do that. They are within their legal rights and powers to make that, uh, that decision. But granted, I've covered stories in America, you know, just south of, you know, the border, as regards to Canada. Uh, where they've done that. Cops have literally been like, oh, this is a unsecure place, and uh, we, we just got called here to do a little wellness check, but here we are. We got to go in, guns hot, and they kill a woman. So, you know, I, I hate to say it, from the American POV, this man is lucky he just got caught, you know, butt naked. You know, at least they didn't blow him away. That being said, you shouldn't have to deal with some, like, George Costanza-like situation and maybe have to explain shrinkage. Like, that shouldn't have to be your day. And I understand why this man is upset. Um, and I, you know, definitely respect the lawsuit. I respect his, um, you know, tenacity to be like, look, I am looking to get justice here. These Mounties should not have been in my home. They, they, they had no reason to do this. You could have just done this a completely different way. 
um and i agree so yeah you know it's it's a cab uh across the board <laughs> even the mounties are gonna get caught up in it i'm sorry you're weird you're cringe for doing that i don't get it um all right let's go ahead and there's another update that i wanted to cover well update this is the first update of the episode whatever um from the texas tribune Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton acquitted on all 16 articles of impeachment. So we are back at Ken Paxton. We are back on a Texas story, a Texas legend. Uh, The Texas Senate on Saturday acquitted Attorney General Ken Paxton of 16 articles of impeachment alleging corruption and bribery, his most artful escape in a career spent courting controversy and skirting consequences of scandal. So, this is our second time talking about this man, this fucking weasel, uh, Ken Paxton. No articles received more than 14 of the required 21 votes to convict. Only two of the 19 Republican senators, Bob Nicholas of Jacksonville and Kelly Hannock of North Richland Hills, voted in favor of convicting for any article. A stark, contra- a stark contrast to the more than 70% of the House Republicans who impeached the Attorney General in May. Now, essentially what they wanted to impeach him for was this man had did a series of alleged crimes and, you know, was caught in a trial and he wanted to settle. And essentially it was a $3.3 million settlement. And he said, okay, I'm going to go to the House and ask for the money. I'm going to go to Congress and ask, uh, State Congress. And they said, hey, you know, you laid it out. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) No fucking way. And I believe the House Speaker, uh, who's like a known alcoholic, was also under the gun. And so he kind of like used the fervor as well. So this all got, you know, chalked up into an impeachment trial on this attorney general. And I feel like it's very warranted. This man has had a whole affair in which he tried to get the uh, this like Senate aide a bigger job with someone who was like a donator. He tried to help out this real estate guy, like go after his enemies and then like protect him. Uh, I mean, this dude is just in the shadiest of shady shit. So, I mean, here he is. He's, you know, he's got one trial, which is still pending. Like that's still like a thing that's ongoing. So he's not out of the wire here. He's not through the wire here yet. But then he's like, his whole job might be gone here. But he beat the fuck out of this case. And I got to say, I'm surprised on the um, outset. But then I remember that this is a Senate thing. Like, this is a Congress-insulated thing. These are jury of your peers, in a way. Like, these are all Republican senators. At the end of the day, these the two of them said, yo, this is fucked up. But I think the fervor from the beginning, like, seeing all of the shit, all the crimes... And then you hear your constituents go, oh, but if you guys actually impeach him, we're going to we're going to shake shit up. We're going to be definitely changing up the guard if you guys fuck with our guy, Kim Paxson, here. Because Kim Paxson is like a dyed in the wool. I really want to say ultra Republican. Like it, it almost maybe feels weird saying alt right, but he's definitely like aligned with Trump. So you, you know the kind of politics I'm talking about when I say that, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to be pushing the kind of policies that a Trump-like figure is going to like, a Trump-like supporter is going to like. So they don't want to see this man go down for anything. Um, so yeah, he beat the case. And in a way, I'm shocked, but then I'm not when you just realize, once again, these are Republicans saying, hey, I'm going to protect my job, protect my brand. 
you know, our guy and whatever. But um, he is still pending, um, you know, an actual legal trial. I had that highlighted. I lost it. Oh, uh, despite the victory, Paxton's troubles are far from over. He faces trial on charges of securities fraud dating back to 2015. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, keep me posted there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you'd like to read this, get the whole skinny. Um, Texas Tribunal actually, you know, is delivering here. He gives a lot of the guts. Uh, talks about, you know um his uh you know mistress talks also about his wife who who sat there the whole time you know very stoic and stone face and there's a bit of like controversy like she hugged the head of the legal team but i don't think she hugged ken paxton you know like I, and they're still married that has to be so messy because like she literally couldn't vote or have any say because it's a conflict of interest but it seems like she's supporting ken paxton her man she's standing by her man like oh ooh, i couldn't imagine um but yeah all right i'm i'm done with the texas heat i feel like we can move along here uh let's go ahead and talk about another thing uh from axios but let me take my last break and then we'll get into this this is a bit of gamer news um so you know if this is not your thing sorry about it but you know figured hey for my gamers out there figured be something worth talking about you know the among us heads Okay, our last story is from Axios. Unity rushes to clarify price increase plan as game developers fume. Unity, the tech company behind one of the most popular engines for creating video games, is scrambling to clarify how a price increase for its services will work after its announcement Tuesday morning broadly infuriated the game development community. The fees, which Unity said are essential for funding development for its tech, for its tech, left many game makers wondering if having a hit game through Unity would cost them more money um, than they can make. Developers spoke throughout the day of delaying their games to switch to rival Epic Games, Unreal Engine, or other services. Uh, by the evening. Unity executive Mark Whitman was updating Axios on policies, potentially diffusing some concerns. Um, so yeah, let's talk about like what that means, like what they're trying to do. Um, the new runtime fee that was announced Tuesday morning is tied to a player's installation of a game, an action that previously didn't cost developers anything. Essentially, they're saying, hey, we want to insert another way to make money for us here at Unity because we need it. We need this money for blah, 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 blah. It's going to provide yada, 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 yada bullshit. But this this is the thing. Now we are making magic. We are alchemizing here. We are inserting a thing here because this is a service that we have been doing the whole time. But we need to make our cut, you see? And this runtime fee is 20 cents per installation. Once their game hits thresholds of 200,000 downloads um, and earn $200,000 in revenue. And I feel like this is cloaked in a way 
that is trying to make you feel like, well, okay, this is only affecting like the, the big developers. So like, it's kind of like, hey, well, you're you're taxing the rich almost, and like you can be okay with it. But that's not really what it is. Like, essentially, you're just saying, hey, this is the threshold. Once you hit it, now we're gonna start getting our cut. That's what we are owed. Developers paying over two thousand dollars a year for the Unity Pro plan would have to hit higher thresholds and would be charged with lower fees. Essentially incentivizing you now to get into this Unity Pro plan as opposed to just getting in, you know, without it. A new fee system will begin at the start of 2024. Um, so yeah, I personally think this is bullshit. I, I definitely am siding with the developers here just on site. That doesn't make any fucking sense because this has been running fine and now all of a sudden you're crying, oh, oh poverty, we need the money. Like, oh, please, like, just understand. But the people who are actually developing the games, game developers, are rallying and uh, began fuming immediately, uh, saying that any game that um enjoying a spike in inhalation installations due to a big sale inclusion in a charity bundle or even just by being included in a popular subscription like microsoft's game pass would trigger uh backbreaking unity fees so essentially they're saying like okay this whole oh well we're only taxing the rich shit that doesn't really play like that's bullshit because at the end of the day we just have a good month a good season you know, we wind up trending for some reason, and we actually wind up being taxed by it. We go from being like, hey, we're growing, we're doing good, oh, awesome growth, and now we are getting penalized for a fee. Like, at the end of the day, we're just getting just screwed here, and then not to mention the Game Pass shit. Like, there's just so many ways where you see, oh, like, this is a subscription where Microsoft gets money, but now me, the developer, I'm getting siphoned money out of my fucking check. Why? Why? That just doesn't make sense to me. It's crazy. Um, I can understand why just developers are really fucking upset. Uh, stop it. Developer Development studio Innersloth, makers of Hit Among Us, tweeted uh, Tuesday evening, this would harm not only us, but fellow game studios of all budgets and sizes. Which they're adding because it's like, look, you're trying to maybe market us as like a big gaming developer now. But like we we just came out. Like, I don't remember when. I feel like it was around 2020, right? Like around it's like a few years ago. We were all locked inside. And like next thing I know, I see these fucking like sus shit or whatever. Like that was crazy growth. But then like, imagine getting punished for that now, you know, by your own fucking, you know, platform that you're, you know, selling your game on, whatever have you. Um... So yeah, I mean, I think this shit is fucked up. Um, what is it? Unity has scrambled to try to clarify, which we love that. I love in this digital age how like the clapback, the backlash is so instantaneous that like they immediately within the same week have to be like, oh, okay, look, what what you guys what you guys heard is not what you heard. It's not we 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 didn't mean it. Let's we we need to clarify some things. We need to like sort some things out. Like no, you need to fix this, and that's what they are trying to do. They are trying to in, immediately compromise with the pop like, with population with the you know the community, and I love that the internet you know allows us this. But at the same time, it's just at the end of the day, they're just going to keep trying to propagandize this bullshit, try to market it a little better, try to smooth the edges, huh? But, um, yeah, um, I don't like this shit. I think it's bullshit. Oh, excuse me. I had to let that rip. I'm sorry. It's Sunday. I'm being loosey. Goosey. We're burping. Um, let's see here. They do offer tweaks. I don't want to get through all of them at the end of the day. 
Um, I, I do think this is bullshit, despite what um, you know the CEO or whatever is saying. Like, hey, only 10% of Unity developers wind up having to pay any fees, given the thresholds games need to hit. No one, this is just bullshit. This is not helping anyone but you guys, but Unity. And you guys are making enough money. Like, just relax, in my opinion. I don't think y'all need it. Uh, there is something I did want to add. Uh, Unity closes offices due to credible game threat or credible death threat. Um, death in a video game. But no, I, I think you know, just kind of getting to the heart of the article from Polygon, essentially, I think an employee was issued a death threat on social media and you know for that reason they like you know closed like some conversations or talks i really feel like this is them kind of once again spinning to the media like saying hey oh my gosh this is crazy people are coming for us but at the end of the day no please don't issue death threats like once again this is another problem of the internet is that things are so accessible and the and the information highway is just so wide and fast that like you can just pop off and like think you're just saying nothing quote unquote but no people read that people see that like so like, don't be fucking gross weird dark and cringe like what the fuck like stop just be normal like so hard to employ people just to just like relax and not be unhinged but yeah i you know i wanted to talk about that shit also to close out i guess uh, a little bit back into the personal corner I uh, wrapped up Das Capital Volume 1 today, so that's good. It's nice to have another book under the belt. I gotta say, my synopsis, my review is, it is not as, um, I remember thinking going into it, like, oh, this book, I'm gonna learn so much, I'm gonna be so inspired, and yada, yada, yada. And I think I have been, but not in the way that I thought. Like, it just winds up feeling like I'm reading an economy book. And that was not fun. Uh, but that being said, it was still a good read. I think I'm going to take a break on the other volumes and read some other things. But it was nice to kind of read the book that everyone's talked about. And a lot of just leftist circles and things of that nature. After reading that book, I definitely know Grimes, you did not read that book. Ain't no way, girl. And I don't believe you. There's a picture of her reading the book and, and people meme the shit out of it. And there's like, I'm like, yeah, ain't no way. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no way. But um, no, I, I definitely, it's a book I would suggest for the curious, but I don't know if it's something that you're not interested in, don't, don't pick it up. It's not that engaging. Like it wasn't fun to read, but it was a good read, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, you know, there's that. Um, it definitely, it, it has me thinking on shit though. I would definitely say that. Um, but yeah, that's the episode. You know, a little bit of final thoughts there. Sorry, wanted to end cap it there um yeah let's see patreon i gotta no no it's sunday i don't feel like shilling so no uh hopefully i see you soon for some more good news i love you Bye bye Mwah.